1: Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show, where I welcome Daniel McMillan. And Dan is a registered psychologist and couples therapist, as well as the founder and director of Assured Psychology, a psychology firm based out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And Dan recently has written and released a children's book, Badger and Turtle Face the Storm, which aims at teaching parents, family, and really anyone else willing to read it about an unhelpful pattern that commonly emerges in most relationships. And that's exactly what Dan and I talk about today. That pattern being the pursuer withdrawer. You may have heard us talk about it in attachment episodes as the anxious avoidant attachment cycle. And this is the first time we've visited this topic in several dozen episodes and it's always worth checking out. And and definitely Dan has a unique and a bit of a different angle on it. If you're not familiar with this pattern, it's going to be new and super informative. And if you already are, Dan has some unique, interesting angles to think about it. He's written a children's book, but the children's book is really for adults, but it's a great reminder for families in general of of educating about this, but reminder for ourselves for things such as that we're on the same team as our partner and that any kind of negative cycle can get interrupted. We don't have to go down the path of separation. We all really just want connection and love. And Dan gives us tools to interrupt that cycle and then tools to heal it and get to the underlying issues. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you guys are having a beautiful day or evening or night. Whenever you are listening to this and wherever you're listening to this around the world, thank you, thank you, thank you. Enjoy today's show. Hi, Dan. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me, Chase. I'm
1: excited. Today, we're going to talk about your children's book and more so the contents of it. And I, I just think this is such a needed and beautiful thing because I talk about it all the time on the show of how we're not taught a lot of relationship skills in school, by our families, certainly by the media. And, and that's why I love doing this podcast and having these discussions. And you've gone ahead as a professional in the field of helping people improve their relationships and made a children's book to help teach families about unhealthy relationship patterns. So can you share with us what led you to start this book? And then we'll dive into its contents.
2: Sure. Um, I completely agree. We don't learn half of what we need to. I've said the same thing. Um, my stick is, I think, when you get pregnant and you go to the physician to confirm it, they should write you a script for 20 couples therapy sessions, no matter what, Uh, no matter where your relationship is at, because we, you know, children swim in the waters of their parents' relationship. And um, that's the tone of their childhood. Uh, I was once in a training and uh, the trainer asked a group of therapists, what's the most important relationship a child has? And, you know, they all said the parent, the mom, the dad, the significant attachment figure. And he said, yes. And it's the parents' relationship, the kids' relationship to the parents' relationship. It's the tone in the home. Is there dancing in the kitchen and bum swats or is there silence and tension? Um, so I didn't answer your question, but it just, I, I've heard you say that in your podcast and it, I completely agree. We need to be teaching attachment styles. We need to be teaching patterns. So the journey of the book, I don't know how brief to make it, but I am a couples therapist. I'm a psychologist in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I'm a couples therapist. And I practice a model called emotionally focused couples therapy, which is a um, kind of the gold standard in couples therapy in my mind. And um, I'm actually in a training for it right now. I'm hosting it and stepped out at lunch. And I started telling uh, my couples that would come to my office about this pattern and in Gottman, in EFT, in family systems, um, they call commonly call this a pursue withdrawal pattern. And it never stuck. And then I started telling couples this story. Of, and I personalized it by telling this story about, I grew up in the country in rural Alberta on a farm. And I always saw these big badger holes with dirt skewed behind them. And I wanted to see those badgers dig them. And I kind of envision couples falling into this pattern, which often looks like one partner that gets cued by their fear of disconnection because connections are survival tools, a packed animal. Um, it's, a, it's an alarm. You know, we've been surviving as a packed animal for a long time on this planet. We can't survive without it. We're the most helpless mammal born. And it feels disconnection. It moves forward, but it moves forward a bit badger-like sometimes. So that's the badger. A little tooth clawy, often with criticism or anger or pushiness. Not always, sometimes softer, but and then the other partner kind of freaks out and goes into their shell um, under stress and pulls away and that's a withdrawer. And, you know, under the stress of life they go in their shell and they're trying to keep things safe and and let things blow over, but you know, inadvertently creating abandonment for the badger and that cues them into further pursuit. So it's a it's a classic pattern, but I start telling it was a badger and a turtle in this story. And I created a video online that did well. And um, it stuck. Couples still will email me years later and be like, you know what? I, I was badgering and we got into it and I was turtling and it stuck. And so then I, I, I tell it to almost all my couples. So I've been telling for eight, nine years. And then I was at a retreat and um, Gabriel Mate's wife, um, I was having lunch with her and she told me she's a children's illustrator. She told me that's a children's book, Dan, like you should do some of that. So I wrote it and then put it in the desktop and then forgot it for another three years. And then this year I, I, I just thought I should do something with this and set this out in the world. So I wrote it as a kid's book and I, I feel like I'm kind of going on and on, but I wrote it as a children's book for two reasons. One is I am not very good writer. <laughs> so I, um, but most importantly, like statistically, but also my experience was after I had kids, my relationship really suffered. Um, you know, I'm it's hard to say as a couple service but I'm divorced. My first partner and I divorced shortly after having our second child because we just really struggled and couldn't find each other. And even knowing everything, I wasn't able to actually do it. And neither was she for various struggles we had. And I thought, man, this is when kids, when parents, when kids need their parents' relationship the most. And this is the time when it's so hard. And culturally, pretty much we're on our own. Um, you know, it's just these small packs. We don't have much community anymore. How do I get this message to parents? And I and thought, parents aren't reading books. Like, you're exhausted. But as I was reading the same book the 800th time to my daughter, I was thinking, oh, we do read books. (laughs) We just read children's books. So I thought if I wrote it as a kid's book, it would get in the hands and minds and hearts of parents to begin to understand their relationship. So that's a long-winded story of how this book came, came to be.
1: I love it. And yeah, I love that. Uh, I'm thinking of, uh, have you read The Boy, The Mole, The
2: Fox, The Horse? I have not read it yet. I have heard about this. Yeah.
1: I think I got that right. Well, at any rate, yeah, it's similar. That's super cute and it's a children's book, but there's like all these little nuggets and that's more like there's tiny little anecdotes and not necessarily a, a super common theme throughout. But at any rate, yeah, it's important. And it's great because then we could get this into our kids' minds as well. So I want to talk a little bit about the this pursuer, withdrawer. And, you know, I've heard it called like the negative cycle in attachment theory. It's, you know, anxious avoidant. It's definitely a common theme. How do you start with a couple who's clearly in this pattern and breaking it down and helping them stop that cycle?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think we can influence what we can see. um, And once we can influence, we can begin to change it. But until we see it, we really are kind of at the mercy of it Um, and so the first part with a couple is you do an interview, like you really assess each of them together, but I'll bring a couple in and I'll talk to one, talk to the other. And I'm trying to get a sense of their pattern, this cycle. And I'll get a sense of, okay, so when he shuts down, what do you do? Like, what What's that like for you? Oh, I, I feel totally abandoned. I feel like I'm on my own. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. You feel like you're that little girl who no one saw again. And what happens when you do that? You know, oh, I, I, I just, I I tell him, I, I say like, why don't you help out at all? Like I'm all alone. Yeah. And then what do you do? when she kind of, she comes across in that way where she's telling you, why don't you help at all? She's kind of got that stern voice I'm hearing. What happens to you? Oh, I just, sure. I don't do enough. So I can't make her happy. So why bother? And then what do you do? You're feeling like you're not enough. You're helpless. Oh, I just, you know, I try to do my best, but then I just give up or I just go to the garage. And, you know, at the end of the night, I just have three bears and go to sleep and repeat. Okay. And when he has three bears, what do you do? So I'm trying to paint them, try to unpack their cycle. And then after I'll give it back to them. You usually using this metaphor, honestly, for adults, because um, it's a way that both can own it, you know, that you feel so alone. And so you kind of move into this energy that comes forward to let them know you're alone and not okay. But it, you know, he's saying it's a bit harsh, it's a bit critical. And you, you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't get anything right. I'm just not enough for her. And and then you kind of pull back, you kind of withdraw, you appease. And sometimes you get mad, but mostly you pull back into doing things or into work. or uh, Yeah, I just try to give them first. It doesn't create change yet, but it gives them a map of what not to do. I want them to side beside each other. And say, let's not do this thing. Let's, I don't know what to do, but I don't want to do that thing. Um, and then the process of therapy, good therapy, is changing how they bond. Um, but that's the start, yeah. And that's my hope in these characters is it makes it light and easy to digest.
1: I want to touch on what you just said of recognizing the pattern coming into awareness and and saying like, I don't know what to do, but I don't want to go down this path. And when I first became aware of a negative cycle that I was having in a previous relationship, that's what I did. And that that alone was helpful. It's like, look, I don't know exactly what we need to do. We don't need to talk it out necessarily. You're right. I'm right. It's like, let's just not continue. It's a bit oversimplified, but that was helpful. And just rather than Someone says something hurtful. And now you have even more to repair, or it's just this spiral, right? And I'm not saying we don't want to get to the underlying causes and and some deeper healing, but I I think that's just such a great place to start is is recognizing we're going down this path and saying no, let's not do that. What do we both want? We both want to feel love and connected. And yeah, we got some things to talk about, but let's let's go for a walk. I find that interrupter is, is alone super important
2: yeah yeah i mean all the pursuers listening are probably like no i like he's just gonna say that and never come back or never uh, <laughs> right like it's important um so i think i like what you said like about going for a walk or staying connected um but yeah like it's essentially turning it from it's your fault or it's my fault because usually a pattern's full of blame for the other and blame for yourself into like, we love each other, we're bonded, but this thing is between us. How do we fix this thing between us? Um, you know, Suze Johnson often calls it a tornado, um, a dragon. Like, uh, it's really externalizing the problem so you can find each other. Honestly, some couples, when they come in the brink of divorce, what I join them over is the fact that they both feel like oh, they're on the brink of divorce. They have that common experience. So let's pair up on that, like, um, as like a way to not feel alone.
1: So uh, a couple can work to a place of externalizing the problem. And we talked about, you know, taking a break. I, I do think that is so valuable in these moments and they're going to occur. It doesn't have to be as big as divorce. It could just be a tiny negative cycle, but just saying, hey, let's, let's stop. But then over time, we want to get to the underlying root and address the problem. What is a place to start in, in doing that?
0: Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first One Skin purchase when using the code IDO when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck And the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around.
2: I think the easy, not easiest, the simplest, because really what matters isn't complicated, but it's difficult, um, is to speak your defense and then try to speak what's below it. So for me, I'm a natural turtle, I'm a natural with jar, uh, and I tend to find partners that are natural badgers or pursuers, which is the common dynamic. Although my partner right now is kind of like a turtle too, so that's interesting, we take turns on who's what. but. Um, like, honestly, a starting place can be, hey, I really feel like shutting down or I'm numb right now or I really want to pull away because um, I am just don't know what else to do. Or for her, or for the badger, and I don't mean to make a gender. There's a statistical split, but it's not always. And same-sex relationships show the same patterns. But for the badger or the pursuer, you know, um, I'm just, like, frantic or I'm scared or I'm angry. Like, it, when you're able to name something and name an emotion – Naming a pattern, you are stepping outside of it a little bit. Um, And then what's below, trying your best to speak the vulnerability driving the defense, which is easy to say, very hard to do in those moments. Yeah. It's kind of a choice to connection to be that vulnerable. And it's the very most hardest, terrifying thing because you have that defense for a reason. You know, you've been hurt in this way for a reason. Um, or not for a reason, but you defend that her for a good reason. So it's so hard to to not do what you want to do and either shell up or attack.
1: I love specific dialogue prompts because it is important of of exactly what you say and how you communicate. And to me, as someone who self identifies as a pursuer, it's it feels really good to know if whether it's a partner or a friend if they if we're trying to work something out it's like hey this is important to me i want to come back to this but let's take a break or i'm i'm really busy right now and so it, it's acknowledging that it's important or it could be they could say if they're a turtle they're like hey i just i feel like i'm shutting down but this is important to me I, i'm still here and let's circle back and having a time to come back to it, whether it's let's let's come back to this later today, tomorrow, at the end of the week. To me, for any pursuers out there, and I'd love to hear your opinion. But I've heard this before that that is that's super valuable. And then it's like you can kind of relax a little bit. Still might be anxious, want to pursue, but it's like okay, I can wait until tomorrow f- for that conversation. And they think it's it's important. They want to have it with me.
2: Yeah, it's essentially the pursuer is terrified that they're gonna be abandoned. So when someone says, I'm so hurt, or I'm numb, or I'm coming back, there's like a little re- relief in, okay, you're not leaving, leaving, um, you know. And their their fear keeps getting realized by their withdrawing partners who feel like they emotionally abandon them. And the withdrawer, the turtle's fear, really, or their need is about safety, um, which keeps getting re- realized that it's not safe when the pursuer escalates. Um, often pursuers are made out to be the bad guy because they escalate and which are seem calm and reasonable, but they're escalating because you need some connection in a relationship. If they didn't do it, it would die. But you also need safety. So essentially both are holding these core the two most core elements I believe are are connection and safety. The pursuer holds the connection a lot of times in disconnect, and the which jar holds the safety. And so when the wajar can do that, you're trying to offer each other the opposite. So when the wajar can say, I'm not leaving for long, it kind of recognizes the fear of abandonment in their partner. When the pursuer can soften or lower their claws, it creates more safety. And I know breaks are touted in like a lot of the couples therapy, but I'm not a huge fan of breaks. I'm okay in stage one in the early parts of couples therapy, but I think it actually asks a lot of the pursuer. You know, even if it's, I'll be back, and there's some relief, it is still them waiting for their needs to be met. Ideally, with time, the angle couples therapy is that the wadjar can stay present, and being present doesn't mean you're not shut down or numb, but it's saying, I'm numb or I'm shut down right now. That's actually being present with your numbness. That's being present with your emotions. Numb is a feeling. Great. Rockstar. And the pursuer being softer. Um, that's the goal. That's the end game.
1: Um- Going back to this, this image in, in my mind's eye of, of your book. And, and so I'm thinking of, I haven't read the book, but this dynamic. So in the book, when the story plays out that, that the pursuer and withdrawal are getting towards more of a, a better pattern, what exactly are some of the next steps of integrating this and making it less of a, a, a thing? Because to someone listening, you know, I remember for myself, when it's new and you understand this pattern, it's it's really exciting, but it's also like then a lot of focus goes to the pattern and fixing it. What are some tools for someone that's recognizing this pattern? They start to implement it to continue to do it well. Mm,
2: Yeah, (laughs) it's so hard to do it well, right? Like there's so much good information, but then implementing the information I sometimes picture I'm at this training and I had this image of like couples, like we are kind of like standing in the front of the gym and the reception desk being like, how do I work out better? And the reception person keeps pointing at the gym, like, go in there and do that. And they're like, no, no, no. They go in for a few minutes, come up, like, but how do I do it? How do I get in shape and like go back in and do it? Like, um, so I mean, it really is about, like inviting your partner into this intentional way of being uh, and knowing you're not going to get it right all the time. So in, like in the book, you know, the badger is trying to, like the really quickly, they're walking, holding hands, they're in love. They're, You know, I, I live in the foothills of the mountains, so they're like kind of in these foothills. There's sun shining, birds are chirping. And to me, that was supposed to be representing the start or when the relationship's good. And then a big nasty storm rolls in. Here we can get these occasional storms coming off the mountains that have really big hail, so like golf ball, sometimes even baseball size hail, um, which just wreak havoc. And so this storm rolls in, and they get scared, they get stressed, which to me is life stress, like the birth of a child, you know, a parent dying, a new job, losing job, like, and so this storm rolls in. And they both do what they habitually do. The turtle drops down to the ground, digs himself a little hole and goes in his shell. You know, he just wants to let the storm blow over. He wants everything to be okay. The badger reaches out for her friend turtle. And where is he? Like this little buggers in the ground, in his shell. And it sure looks like he's cozy in there. And she's out there all on her own. So she's terrified. So she does what badgers do. She drops down in the ground, starts digging him out of his shell. The more she digs, the scarier looks for the turtle. So the further he pulls back. Now, occasionally, you know, all turtles will eventually snap a little bit like snapping turtles. He might come out for a chomp or two, but his main energy is retreat. The more he retreats, the lonelier she feels. So in the book, they do this. And this is what I used to tell couples. And like, they would nod, like you're not like, yeah, like I'm out here on my own. Or yeah, it's terrifying. Why are they leave? Like, why are they scratching at my shell? <laughs> like, I'm not hurting anyone. Um, and, Eventually, they realize this isn't helping. So they stop. You know, Badger lowers her claws and says, like, I'm out here on my own, Turtle. I'm, like, scared. And Turtle says, I'm scared, too. Like, I'm sorry I left you alone, but I didn't know what else to do. Like, you're scaring me, too. And he comes out of his shell And they face the storm together. And then I had to make up an ending. (laughs) Because in couples therapy, I don't have to make up an ending. I describe the problem and then we do the ending over six months, eight months, ten months, whatever. Um, But for a book, I did. So in the book then, Badger uses her digging to create a little hole and Turtle uses shell to, to block the door for the hole and they wait out the storm together. It's less metaphorical. It's more just that they do it together. Because we are not built to solve all life problem problems, most of the hardships of life we can't we can't fix you can't fix death, illness, all illness like we will all get ill and die. Everyone we know around us the, the, the hardest things in life um, the only thing we can do is face them together and it's deeply wired in us as mammals to do that that's our pack strategy, our survival strategy that's why Harvard released that longitudinal study that shows it's the best predictor of your mortality because your cortisol, your noreferrin, like all your chemicals relax because you feel safe when you're together, even when life's hard. So that was my hope, is that parents realize under the stress at any time and kids learn the lesson, but particularly in the stress of having kids in in today's world, um, that they might be losing each other a little bit uh, and that they might be falling into these patterns and to find kind of, find each other again.
0: Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Hey, Love Tribe. I just want to ask you a few questions. I want to know why you guys are here. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner? Do you want to feel truly heard? Are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? And let's not forget about the fun. Do you long for those fun, giggly moments at the beginning of your relationship? Over the last decade of hosting this podcast with Chase, these have been our top questions. And we get it. We've been there. And that's why we created Spark My Relationship course. Because we wanted to put the tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. So we're offering this course, Spark My Relationship, for only $100 until April 6th. In less than 90 days, this self-paced course will help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner, all while having fun doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their client. This offer is only going to last until Saturday, April 6th. So head on over to our website, sparkmyrelationship.com and use the code FLASH24 at checkout to get the course for only $100. That's nearly 60% off and it won't last. The sale ends April Six. That's sparkmyrelationship.com and use the code FLASH24 to get our course for only $100. Hey, Love Tribe. I have just a few questions for you. I want to know why you are here listening to the podcast. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner and you want to feel truly heard? Or are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? Or do you just long for those fun, giggly moments of connection that you used to have at the beginning of your relationship? Well, over the last decade of hosting this podcast, those were the main reasons people tuned into the show. And we get it. We've been there. So we created our course, Spark My Relationship, because we wanted to put those tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. We're offering $100 off our course, Spark My Relationship, which is a self-paced course designed to help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a strong Stronger, more intimate connection with your partner, and have an amazing time doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. So to unlock this special offer of our course, our listeners can visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to get $100 off. That's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock.
1: I love that that's the ending. And I love that point. It's been a while since we mentioned it on the podcast, but that we need to remember we're on the same team. Because when we get stuck in these patterns of who's right, who's wrong, or childhood trauma, you name it, we forget that. And to me, coupled with that bringing back and stopping the negative pattern of saying, hey, I don't know what to do, but let's not go down this path. And with that, also going, reminding each other, and we're on the same team. We both
2: want love and connection. Yeah, like for me as a turtle, I, I have to be accountable to my withdrawal. So I try, I have to recognize, you know, like I used to not think that hurt anyone because I wasn't calling names or yelling or something doors, right? Um, so I, I try to stay present. And when I can't, it's very rarely I can now Then I do describe when I'll be back. But I, I speak my truth, which is about being overwhelmed and numb or shut down. And that's actually being present. And if my part, that softens my partner. And then I don't leave. Like, I haven't had to turtle a long time, but I will at certain times. So, yeah, you, you reminded me of a, one of my favorite quotes and it's by Ram Das It says, we are all walking each other home. And, yeah, that you can choose to be right or you can choose for connection. Um, so I choose connection, figure out the right and wrong later.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, before we go, I want to ask you, because we're both fathers and I know we have lots of parents listening. How has this been received by uh you have two daughters under 10? Like, what kind of messages are they taking away? I'm excited to get a hold of this and, and read it to uh, my eight year old.
2: Yeah, they love it, especially their favorite part is the dedication is to them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So they feel like celebrities because the the school that they go to, um, you know, put in their library and like they read in school and stuff. So um, I think they just like that. And and honestly, for me, because I I see myself as a psychologist, not an author. It was a hugely heartwarming thing, how proud they were of me. It was really touching. Um, So to me, that's worth, Effort and self, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't like. I would love to say, oh, they identify when they fall in these patterns and stuff. No, <laughs> they don't. Um, but um, they are pretty good at naming their feelings and talking about what's happening for them. They're getting better and better. Um, and I, as a dad, have to increase my capacity to, to do that along with them. My one daughter is so articulate. At age five, I gave her hack for something. And she turned to me and said, Dad, you're shaming me. And oh my God, I fell apart and said, oh, am I, what? Uh, and she wasn't doing manipulatively. She genuinely, yeah, that's how she felt. So I had to adjust my tone about when I was approaching that issue. Um, so they've, they've been really excited about it. I think more for the fact that it exists than for, for the message. But they've also heard it for so long that maybe, like they've probably read it 50, 60 times, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we're just trying to figure this out as adults. So kids aren't gonna be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm doing the negative pattern. But I think it's just so great to have it in their worldview. And I think that maybe as a kid, you think of it, it's this cute story, and it's exciting. And then as you start, to gain emotional intelligence and just the brain's capacity to even think in those ways, then the story is going to kind of embody a different meaning and, and deeper and it and could be beautiful. And, and I mentioned uh, that other book earlier, and it, it's like, yeah, Stella likes the book, but I don't think she's taking away. I know she's not taking away the same deeper, profound meanings there, but there's, I'm sure a child psychologist could break down the exact mechanisms that are going on, but it can't hurt. And I think it's, it's great.
2: It becomes part of their normalized world, right? Yes. Like, uh, is so you're exactly right when they're teenagers and they're dating. I really hope that there's some sense of this and, and, and it's just a normal now part of their understanding of the world, which is full circle what we were saying. Like I, you can teach something once, you know, you can learn a softened startup. Do you use that when I'm really upset? Like you have to like again and again and again and again, it has to be lived. You have to breathe it in every single day um, until it sinks in your bones. And so that's, that is my hope is a tiny, tiny, tiny piece into the world that maybe it becomes normalized in families. And honestly, the inspiration, like I, I, you've referenced that book, the book, there's no such thing as dragons. I hadn't read that since I was a kid and I read it to my kids and I was like, "Oh my god, like this is profound." Like um like it it hit me. Um they don't know, they don't really get the meaning of it. They just think it's a cute book. But the fact that this dragon gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then finally when someone sees it, it goes back to its normal size and they say, "Oh, it just needed to be seen." I was like, "Oh, it struck me and I didn't get that till I'm like I'm 41." Like, "Wow." Um and that's sort of my hope is like I not I mean that's an incredible book, but to be in to be able to touch parents in that way. Yeah.
1: Well, I love it. Well, you have put that out into the world and the world is better for it. And and I appreciate this conversation, Dan. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online, where they can find the book, and then we'll say goodbye.
2: Sure. Um you can find me online uh, uh, at my clinic that I, I run, Assured, AssuredPsychology.com. So, www.assureda.s.s.u.r.e.dPsychology.com. A-S-S-U-R-E-D, Psychology.com. Um, you can buy the book right there. And then, um, or you can follow me on our social media with Assured Psychology. Or you can buy it on where you buy books, Amazon, Indigo, all, all the things. Just type Badger and Turtle. And actually, if you YouTube Badger and Turtle, I created an adult version of, the, of a video animated adult version to teach because I told so many hundreds of couples this that I that I thought, I'll just make a video so I don't have to keep saying it. Um, and so you can YouTube it to see the adult, not adult as in adult content, but um, more mature versions of the learning. But yeah, just on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. And if you want to follow us online or anything, it's all under Assured Psychology, except for on Amazon and Indigo. Then you just type Badger and Turtle.
1: Excellent. Well, we will have those links in our show notes and on our website. And thanks for taking the time to come on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me, Chase. It was really enjoyable.
0: with your partner, or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day.
1: You are listening to a pleasure podcast.